The following audio is from White River Christian Church. More information about White River is available on the WRCC mobile app or at wrcc.org. Good morning and happy Mother's Day. Uh, That is sweet music to my ears. I love little kids. So uh, thanks for being here this morning, joining us. This is my friend Debbie, and Debbie's going to start us out this morning. Good morning. My name is Debbie Marks, and my family and I have been members here at White River Christian Church for over 16 years. This is my church home, and you are my church family, and I'm very thankful. I have the honor of sharing the Mother's Day prayer with you this morning. So would you bow your heads and pray with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day you have blessed us with. We are grateful to celebrate Mother's Day today. Thank you for the gift of my mother, Lord. There are so many mothers in this room, and we thank you, God, for each one. Some have been a mother for a very long time, and some are just learning the joy of motherhood. We thank you for the gift of adoption and for those who have been a mother figure to us, including stepmothers, mothers-in-law, and aunts. Many are missing their sweet mothers who are no longer here with us. Oh, and Father, there are some who are longing to be a mother, and we ask that you would hear their cries. We pray for the mothers who have lost a child and ask for your comfort to be upon them. This day can be difficult for those with broken relationships with their mothers. We pray for healing and restoration. We give you all the glory for this day, Lord, and we thank you most of all for your precious Son, Jesus, our Savior. In his name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Debbie. Yeah, you can give a round of applause. That's fine. Well, happy Mother's Day. We uh, are continuing a conversation that was coming out of Easter. Uh, out of Easter, we talked about how God uh, or how Jesus made us right in God's sight as a result of his death on the cross and resurrection from the grave. And then we've been talking about these unbelievable statements, and we're going to hit another one today that, let me remind you, are true. They're from Scripture, and God wants us to live them out. And so as we have those things in mind, uh, let me pray for us. Just call my own heart, ask the Holy Spirit to work in and through you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to gather and to worship you this morning. As we sing your name, Yahweh, we want to give you all the praise and all the glory this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would move in our hearts uh, to help us to believe this statement, which seems unbelievable at first sight. Not only would you help us to, to believe this, Holy Spirit, would you help us to live this out before an unbelieving world that we exist in. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for this morning. We pray these things in your powerful and precious name. Amen. So it is Mother's Day, and I figured that I should probably start with a story about my mother. I did not ask for permission, and so I just want you to know that ahead of time. I might be in trouble later at dinner. Um, My mom and my aunt's sisters had three kids between them. So I have an older brother by two years, and I have a younger cousin by two years. We're all three boys. And growing up, you might as well have considered us siblings. 
I pretty much consider him my brother, not my cousin. And so the three of us, the one prayer that my mom and my aunt had is that none of us would become comedians. Because if we would, we would use them as our material. I don't think my mom ever thought as a child to pray that I wouldn't become a pastor because it's pretty much a close second. So I'm sorry, mom. Here we go. So when I was a kid, I was a part of this club. Now, here's the, I didn't really do a whole lot to get into that club. In fact, if it was up to me, I would have rather not been in this club, but it was my mom's destiny for me to be in this club. It's called the Clean Plate Club, right? Anybody force their children into that in here? Okay, good. Yes, yeah, some of you, I'm going to make you feel bad about this, okay? Um, I see some of you turning to your kids. You should be apologizing. Uh, I was a part of this club that my mom reminded me ever every time we sat down to dinner and she would put green things on my plate, right? And, and no matter what it was that she put that grew out of the earth, I had to choke it down for the purpose of cleaning my plate so I might be rewarded with dessert. Most of the time, I didn't even know what the dessert was while I was choking it down, right? I would get to the end of my meal. My mom would not let us get up from the table until we ate it all. And it was sometimes not very good. I'm just going to be honest, right? And I would clean my plate. And as my reward, I would get dessert. And sometimes it was like, I don't even, I don't deserve, it's not worth it. You know, and then my mom would instill the like, you're going to sit here until you eat it all. It doesn't matter if you sit here till bedtime. Anybody, any kids out there ever sit there till bedtime? I never made it. You're, you're stronger will than I was. Uh, I never made it. Right? I'm like, this isn't worth it. Fine, I'll eat it. You know, I've got things to do. I was a kid. And, um, and so I ate, but I was a part of this club. And, and now I need to, you understand this too. I'm 38 years old. My name is Lance Stockton and I am recovering clean play club kid. Okay, you laugh at that, but it's so true. Like I still, to this day at 38 years old, I will look at my plate and think I am full, but there's still food on it and I need to eat it. Like I hear my mother's voice in the back of my head. Now I've got kids and they don't eat theirs. And so I'm like, I've got to eat that because I paid for it. You know, like how the, I walk out of restaurants feeling miserable. All because of the clean play club. Now here's the thing. As silly as that illustration is, I think the principle is true and we let it bleed over into our relationship with God way too often. What's that principle? You do something, you receive a reward. If I'm just a really, really good person today, I'll receive the grace that I need. If my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, well, then God will, God will answer my prayers. Or better, this one's even better. If my good deeds outweigh my neighbor's good deeds, then God will really smile upon me. All those statements could not be further from the truth. And in fact, when I hear those kind of things, and I think, because let me just be honest with you, I fall into this too. I want to do something to earn God's grace and God's favor because that's the way we've been conditioned. But that's not the way God works. In fact, when I hear that, I often think of the Old Testament. What do we see over and over in the Old Testament? You see the nation of Israel trying to live up to the Ten Commandments that were given, what we refer to as the Old Testament law or the law of Moses. Ten Commandments, 
that we were called as people of God to live up to. But the problem is this, nobody was able to live up to those things. You read the Old Testament, it just wasn't possible until God sent Jesus. Jesus walked upon this earth. He fulfilled all 10 of them perfectly, completely fulfilling the requirement of the Old Testament law, going to the cross in you and I's place, dying so that you and I don't have to suffer the consequences of our sin. Three days later, God raised him from the grave and now you and I have somebody who is interceding on our behalf, who is always with us and who is preparing a place right now for you in heaven. That's the good news of the gospel. That's what we celebrated Easter morning. And that's what we're continuing to talk about today. If you have your Bibles, open with me to Romans chapter 6, verse 14. The reality of what took place on Easter morning brings us to this statement that Paul speaks to us in Romans chapter 6. It says this, Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Just in case you didn't hear it, Paul kind of gives you two Options there. You no longer live under the requirements of the law, the Old Testament law. You now live under this freedom of grace. And he continues to unpack that as he jumps into chapter 7, which is where we'll sit for this morning. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump right there and, and get going here. Verse 1, chapter 7 says this. Now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only when a person is living? For example, when a woman marries, the law binds her and her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. I'm going to pause. Paul uses an illustration that you and I are very aware of and understand in our culture, marriage. And why I am married to my wife, Amanda. As long as we are married, we have this commitment to each other, this requirement where we are called to live up to. I am not allowed to freely go marry somebody else. Neither is she. But as soon as I pass away, it's her right then, because she is no longer required by law, because I have passed, that she can go remarry somebody. Those are big shoes to fill. Just saying. <laughs> She's not in here, so I... I shh. <laughs> Anyways. Right? And the same thing's true. Like, we were required to live up to this law, but we couldn't do it. God knew that. And so the only way for us to not require that, be required of that, is for a death to take place. Jesus came, lived that perfect life for us in our place, and then died so that you and I can experience that. Scripture tells us that we die the same death that Jesus does, and therefore we can live the same life as he lives, therefore we can experience the same resurrection he experiences. That's what we do over here. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we want you to be baptized. Yes, we want you to understand it, but we want you to be baptized. Why? Because when we bury you in the water, it is putting you, your old self, to death. It is signifying that you are taking on the death Jesus died for you. And when we bring you back out of that water, you are a new creation. 
You are no longer under the law and enslaved to that. You are now free in God's grace. It's the beauty of baptism. There's nothing special about that water, I promise. It's the same water in your bathtub. But the symbolism of it is so empowering. It's why we choose to do it. He continues in verse 4 and says, So, dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who raised, was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. When we were controlled by our sinful nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. You see, Paul understood this idea that for you and I, after we accept Jesus and after we're baptized, we begin this journey, that there's still going to be the existence of sin in our lives until the day we die and meet Jesus. And so the truth is, is that there's still the option to live according to the old way, our sinful selves, or to live life in the spirit, the new way, the new creation that we've been called to. And that, that, that would be a constant battle. I don't know if you know this or not. You are at spiritual warfare every day of your life. And I hate to say this, but it's true. If you're not aware of that, you're probably losing. You probably are. My youth pastor used to tell us, if we're not struggling, then we're not growing. Why? Because it's a constant. This is what my body wants to do, but this is what I know I should do. We're going to get to that in a second where Paul talks about that. But all of that, the opportunity to even live in this life of the Spirit, it's free to you. It's freely given to you. In fact, our, our statement for today is this. Everything in life is free. Yeah, right. <laughs> when have you ever accepted anything that was free? <laughs> you had to read like the really tiny print. You get a magnifying glass out with the proof of a purchase. You know, like <clears throat> it's not free at all. What I'm talking about with you today is free. Everything in life is, in fact, the grace that I'm talking about, this life in the spirit, this grace that God gives you and I the opportunity to live in, it is already given to you long before you could ever choose to do good. It's free. It makes me think of a, a couple boys uh, that, I, that I got to witness be adopted when I worked in Memphis. There was a family that decided to adopt three boys from overseas. These three boys were brothers and they had lived, they're about elementary age. The oldest was maybe, maybe, maybe middle school age. Um, and they had lived their entire existence in group homes. Just trying to survive. And so when they brought them home, a couple of days after being home, they started realizing that there were things in their house that were missing. Just gone. Where did that go? I don't know. Where did you do something? Did you move it? Nope. I don't. <laughs> let's, let's ask the boys. Bring the boys down. One, two, three. Nope, nope, nope. I didn't take it. The funniest story that, that, that the mother ever told me was that they, one night they prepared the entire dinner. Uh, they plated out all the food. They sat down at the dinner table. And they said, boys, do you see anything that's missing? Nope, nope, nope. Nothing's missing. Oh, really? Because we don't have any silverware. Boys, where's the silverware? 
Walk upstairs, youngest child, underneath his mattress, had all the silverware laid out. Why? Because he had been taught that he has to steal, hold on to things of value so he could turn around and sell them and be able to get the next food that he was going to get. I'll never forget, the mother said, we walked downstairs, sat at the dinner table with silverware and ate dinner. And we explained to our boys, everything you see in this house is yours. It's already yours. There's no need to steal it. You can leave the things on the shelves. It's yours. And as silly as that is, that's what you and I look like when we try to earn God's grace. It's already yours. Stop trying to steal something that already belongs to you. You don't have to work for it. It's yours. That's what Paul's telling us in chapter 7. And then he goes into this section where he talks about the law and how it's not that the law was bad. It wasn't bad. The law was perfect. The problem was that you and I, because of our sinful natures, couldn't live up to that. And then he says this in verse 14. So the trouble is not with a law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing the wrong. It is a sin living in me that does it. Now, let me pause for a second. This is not Paul condoning you and I sin. He's not saying it's okay for you to sin because it's just a sin. Inside. No, no, no. He's just admitting to what he'd already just said. You and I are always going to live with a sinful nature. Now, we died to that. We don't have to be masters of that because God gave us a new way to do that, to, to live life, which was life in the spirit. But the truth is, is that they're always going to be present. And you know what? You and I, most of the time, if we're by ourselves and alone without the Holy Spirit and Jesus working in our lives, we're going to choose to do the sin. We just are. That's what Paul continues to say. Verse 18, and I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is a sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all of my heart. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. I don't know about you, but every time I collect the Lord's Supper and I go back to my seat, I find myself praying about the exact same things. Why can't I just be free from the sin that so entangles me? Why can't I take the Lord's Supper and walk out of here and be able to change the sin that I'm so drawn to? Because the truth and the reality is for you and I is that whether we know Jesus or not, that sinfulness still exists in us. But what Paul's doing is he's calling you and I out of it. You don't have to choose that. In fact, 
with the Holy Spirit's help, you can choose to live life in the Spirit. I love my wife. She's so sweet. She edits my, my sermons, and I, it's frustrating. Okay? Like, it just is. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm like, gosh, dang it. Why are you always right? I want to say she's wrong. She usually never is. Okay, she's never wrong. Anyways, she said, Lance, you keep saying life in the Spirit. What does that mean? Like, how do I know what that means? Well, that's a great question. What does that mean to me? Life in the Spirit. That means when I wake up in the morning, that I skip the extra 30 minutes of sleep that I think will all of a sudden renew my entire body and make me a really happy-go-lucky guy for the day, to spend time with Jesus. It means praying about the situations I'm going to face throughout the day and the people I will meet with. It means as I walk through the day, talking to the Holy Spirit, continuing to listen to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it means getting myself in a quiet place so I can hear the Holy Spirit where I'm not distracted. Other times it means doing things that the Holy Spirit prompts me to do. And sometimes I, I, I'm talking to somebody and I feel this thought that I've never had before. And it's like, you should say this to this person. I'm like, eee. <laughs> that's not going to go well. But most of the time, what is that? It's the Holy Spirit telling me, hey, you need to talk through this with this person. They need to hear this from you. It means at the end of your day, taking a moment to stop and pray over the day and the things that you experience. Maybe it means listening to the Holy Spirit when he prompts you to tell somebody about the hope you have within That's what it looks like to live according to the Spirit. According to sin, no, I'm not going to get into that. You all know what that looks like, right? We do that just about every single day, get ourselves in trouble there. He invites us because the truth of the matter is, is everything is free. He's already given you everything you need to live life in a relationship with God. Now, here's what I want to do for a second. I want to make sure you understand this because this is important perspective for us, especially in the Western culture. And I'm going to tell you right now because one of the pastors mentioned this in the notes when it was reviewed. We are not a hellfire and brimstone church. I will never be that. So I'm, I'm just going to let you know that now. But the reality is hell exists, right? It exists. I don't know who told me this at one point, but it's been so ingrained in my mind that I cannot get it out and I probably never will. But any, this is the quote, anything short of hell is God's grace in your life. Because you and I, we're, we're sinful. You and I carry this sin nature. Paul carried this sin nature. Paul, right? Paul, who was converted on Damascus Road and wrote most of our New Testament. Paul carried this sinful nature in him. And our sinful nature deserves punishment. That punishment is eternal damnation in hell. Plain and simple. It's the easiest math equation you can do. But the fact that you and I aren't there right now, it's God's grace. The fact that you woke up yesterday, it's God's grace. The fact that you're breathing right now, it's God's grace. The fact that you have a job, friends, family, that you get to celebrate Mother's Day today, it's God's grace. But you see, you and I have been conditioned uh, to think about our culture in the Western world that we deserve more. No, no, no. You don't deserve anything. But you've been given everything. With Jesus' death on the cross. And so, yes, you have been freely given everything you need for life. Or in other words, everything in life is free for you and I. 
as a result of Jesus. I love this other equation that I've been told and heard over and over and over. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. He's everything we need. He's provided everything for you to walk through life. And we're told by Paul, because Paul understood this, he continues after he says, oh, what a miserable person I am in verse 24. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Thank God that you and I have Jesus. I've said this twice this week. I don't know if you don't have, you don't have Jesus in your life, how you're making it through this world. I just don't. That's not a like, like, I feel bad for you. It's not that. I just don't know. I have a hope in somewhere that is so much greater than this world that that's some, day, some days that's all I can focus on because it's so bad. And if you don't have that hope, the best that you got right now is whatever the heck is happening in your day. I don't get that. That doesn't make sense to me. Paul continues in chapter eight. I'm not gonna get too much into chapter eight because that's next week, but I'm gonna read you this part of chapter eight because I think it summarizes what we've been saying this morning in such a beautiful way. It says this, chapter eight, verse one. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fulfilled, full, excuse me, would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. It's already been done. It's a free gift to you and I. And the best way I can illustrate this was something that happened to us as of late. One of you, I would believe. Uh, gave my wife and I a gift. We live in a 116-year-old house with a, a door slot, a mail slot on the front door. So you just slide the mail through. It's awesome unless you're home by yourself and it happens every time, right? But if you're not home, you return home, open the door, and all the mail is right there on, on the floor. And so I picked up the mail one day. I'm going through, and, and there was this letter. No, po uh, no, no stamp, no return address, no postage, just my name written in like a, a, a printed by a computer, which is creepy. But I'm kind of thankful it wasn't like cut out of like magazine letters, you know, because I'm like, what is happening right now, right? Thank you for that. And I opened it up and on the inside was just a letter and all it said on it was, thank you for all you do for the kingdom. We so appreciate you. And with it was a, a sizable gift card for my wife and I to one of our favorite restaurants, uh, the Grindstone. It took me 24 hours to tell my wife that we were given this gift because I, I didn't know what to do with that. I have no idea who gave it to me. I don't know when they brought it by. 
I don't know how to thank them. I almost didn't know how to receive it because there was nothing I could do in return for the gift. Actually, there was something I could do. It was to enjoy it, to live in it, to experience it. And so this past Thursday night, my wife and I went out to dinner and we ate things that we don't order off the menu because they're too expensive for our budget. And we enjoyed it. And we lived it. We experienced it. And God's grace is the exact same for you and I. It is free. There's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do to deserve it. Earn it. All that you can do in response is to live in it. To choose daily out of gratitude. To say, you know what? I'm going to live in the spirit today. I'm going to fight the battle the urge to do what my sinful nature wants and instead live according to what God would want for me. This is the least you and I can do. And I hope, church, that you will do that this week, every single day, starting when you walk through those doors. Everything in life is free. At least everything we need to live a life of godliness. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thanks that you came and that you took on our flesh, the flesh like a sinner's have, and that you lived a perfect life that fulfilled a law and completeness, that you died on a cross, that you were raised to new life by our Heavenly Father so that we might experience eternal life. You have given us in your life, death, and resurrection everything we need for life freely through God's grace. Help us this week, Holy Spirit, to live accordingly. Help us to wake up in the morning and choose to live life in the Spirit, not in our old way, in our sinful nature. Would you empower us, embolden us? God, would you quiet us to be able to hear your voice, respond, and to live accordingly. We love you, Jesus. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise this morning. It's your name we pray. Amen.